Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your host, Zach Van Norman, and I am joined by my other host, Amy Hood. Amy, hello, darling. How are you? Fabulous. How are you, darling? Doing pretty good, pretty good. We've had some crazy weather recently in Seattle, but otherwise, uh, nothing real major to report. So, yeah. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on in the Once Upon a Time universe this week, though, I can tell you that much. Yes, so much news and little tidbits came out this week. Ugh, so excited. Yeah, so between all the news points that we have to talk about and then also, um, you know, with the regular show stuff that we're going to have to talk about with the episode, I want to make sure that we have enough time for everything, so let's just get right on into it. Also, happy belated um, Valentine's Day to everybody who's listening to the show. And um, as usual, we have opened up the chat room for everybody, so if you want to go to, uh, you know, blogtalkradio.com slash fans. Um, you'll see the chat room should be there. Um, as usual, I'll give the normal warning that it might take a couple of page refreshes before you get in um, because it, it seems to work that way for some people's Internet browser. So if you need a couple of minutes, then keep refreshing it, but the chat room will eventually open up for you. All right, there's my normal PSA. So let's get into some new stuff now because it's very exciting. So the first bit that we have is that um, it was announced that the a title of Episode 19 for Season 3B, as it's now being called, um, you know, you know. Spoiler warning for everybody: if you don't want to hear this, you've got five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, here we go. It's called a curious thing, and I'm very curious about it. As a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I'm personally hoping for some Alice in Wonderland maybe action going on. Perhaps that'll be a crossover episode with Wonderland. I'm really hoping for that. Amy, how do you feel about that? I hope so. That's the first thing I saw when he tweeted that out, that the title was a curious thing because, you know, one of Alice's big phrases is curiouser and curiouser, which actually is on my phone cover. It is my Twitter picture. So that was immediately what I went to when they tweeted that out. I can't wait for that episode, and I hope that that is some Alice in Wonderland crossover. And how awesome would it be if we could get, you know, in there even some, mm. you know, more hints of what's going on and what happened. Ah, dying. Yeah, definitely. I'm hoping for the same thing. Um, I really want to have Jefferson back on Wonderland, so hoping that's something that they can make happen. Um, mm. And then we've got some other news items going on too, uh, which is uh, actually Eddie, or excuse me, Eddie, geez. Eduardo Castro had some comments about one of uh, the costumes coming up in the season 3B soon. And Amy, I think you have some more information on that for us, yes? Yes, Eduardo Castro, we all love his outfits, obviously, and we drool over them all the time. We go on and on. But today he made the comment, someone asked him on Facebook, and I believe it was one of our oncers, her name is Becky, what he has thought about the costumes he's done for the second half of season three and if he's had a favorite or something that stood out. And he was adamant that his very favorite costume of the second half of season three is one that he designed specifically for the Wicked Witch, who's going to be played by Rebecca Matter, but that he couldn't tell us why it was his favorite because it might be a spoiler if he did. So I found that kind of interesting. So, you know, what about the costume could be spoilery, but I definitely can't wait to see it because you know it's just going to be over the top and fantastic. Like I love, love his stuff like he does for Regina. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've always been talking about his costumes on the show and how great they are and how they really, you know, emphasize the story. Obviously, with what I've been 
you know, talking about with color and things like that, it really relates to clothes. So it's always been a topic of discussion on the podcast. I'm very interested myself too to find out exactly what it is going to be because it's like what you said is kind of that's the question, right? Like, what is it about the costume that can be a spoiler? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and which one is it? What episode is it going to be in? Like, I need more information to process this. Almost like that's, that's exactly. how I feel. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I need some more. So I can't wait to see when that's, you know, finally revealed. You know, hopefully, you know, as the season goes by, you know, maybe he'll drop a hint on us and we can maybe get it figured out. So that'd be pretty awesome. So, all right. Um, we've got another news point here, which is that we've got some uh, casting news actually going on, uh, which is that Sunny Mabry, I think that's how you say her name, has been cast as Glenda the Good Witch. And we all know that we're going to Oz in the second half of the season. So um, very excited to see you know, what she's going to bring to the role and what kind of Glenda we're going to get because the notes on her are interesting kind of she's been isolated for a while and, uh, but, you know, she still has faith in people's kind of a general uh, feeling of her. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's been going on with poor Glenda and, uh, you know, what happened to her character. So very interesting news there as well. Yeah, I definitely can't wait to see it. And I'll say this girl, Sunny, I don't know if it's Mabry or Mabry, but I follow her on Twitter, and the podcast follows her too, and she is hilarious. She is so funny, aside from the fact that, you know, she's drop-dead gorgeous, and I'm sure she's going to be a fantastic Glenda. She is so funny. I like uh, Anybody who's not following her, look her up on Twitter and look at some of her Vine videos that she's posted. She's so funny. But um, definitely give her a follow. And I cannot wait to see what she brings to this character. I think it's going to be, now that we're really starting to get the corner pieces and the building blocks of this whole Oz story, I think it's going to be fantastic. And I do just want to throw in there that Peter is Pizza, who is our fabulous once her friend, is in the chat room. And he is telling us that there is a brand new Once Upon a Time promo that just aired, and he's linked it on Twitter. So we have not had a chance to even look at it yet because apparently it popped up while we were sitting here talking. But for everybody out there in uh, podcast land, there is a new promo that apparently just released. And I am going to Twitter right now to find out what's going on. So um, <laughs> So forgive me here for one second. Um, let me see if um, just gonna take a look here. All right, cool. So, so we'll yeah, definitely we'll have to. Uh, I'll take a look at that for sure, um, and then we'll we'll have to talk about that because I don't because we have a lot to talk about right now. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, all right, I'm on it right now. So, of course, I'm sure everyone who's listening is going to be running to you know the same day to be looking up. Yeah. You know, the, Okay, here we They're go. They're probably not hearing oh, here us at all for the next 30 seconds, so everybody's uh, running to their Twitter. Oh, my gosh, I see flying monkeys, and I see the – oh, my gosh, I saw flying monkeys. I did. What? Oh, I can't hear what okay, they're saying. Okay, I'm pushing play now. Be saying. prepared. Oh, charming in a cloak, and it's red. She's coming. Monkey, yellow bricks. Ooh. I can't hear what's going on. I've got it turned down so we don't get crazy feedback. But No, I've oh. got it turned up, and I can't hear anything. Hmm. Ooh. So they're in Storybrooke again. Okay. Wow. Oh. 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 Hmm. oh. <laughs> what? Okay. Oh, the face-off. Oh, I've seen the face-off between Evil <laughs> and Wicked. Oh, my good gravy. I can't wait. 
Oh, I can't and wait. Peter, finger, thank you so oh, there was this funky-looking finger, like, reaching to grab the bottle. Oh, I don't even know. I can't even, I can't even right now. I can't even, I can't even get into it right now. Okay, cool. We got to get back into the podcast. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes, so let's podcast. Yes, podcast. But, okay, cool. So the next point that we have, oh, speaking of Oz, um, you know, Amy, you got some news on, on the, uh, on the Oz cover art competition, yeah? Right. Just wanted to update everybody. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. The Oz art competition um, ended today, so if you didn't get a chance to get your submissions in, um, it did end today. But the next step will be that Once Upon a Fan will start posting them for fan voting, and the one that is voted fan favorite will be the one that we end up using for our social media cover art. So we definitely can't wait to get those out there. When you start seeing them, I've seen a few, and they are gorgeous. So definitely can't wait till the voting starts on those. Yeah, me as well. I think it's going to be very exciting because um, I really like all the fan art and stuff like that. I'm, you know, I'm into that kind of thing. So I, uh, I'm pretty set on I've seen that. Sorry, okay, I need to, okay, no YouTube, okay. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, um, I really want to see what people have submitted. Make sure that you send it to, uh, well, it's done already. So it's gonna, the winner will be announced soon, and we're actually going to put the winning picture probably up on the, the podcast pages as well. So you get yes. featured on two pages. So there you go. All right, and then we've also got um, some other little bits of information here that we want to go over, um, which is that Chris Gorman, who was cast as the man from Emma's past, right? Okay says that his mm-hmm. name is Walsh. Okay, that's the latest news that we have. Now, I have a theory on who this guy might be, and so wow. I want to make sure that I talk about that. So Definitely. I think that he could be um, – there was an episode in season one where, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mary Margaret was having the affair with David, and Emma was talking to her about it and telling her how she shouldn't do it, um, kind of alluding to the fact that she had, you know, been in a romantic situation with a married man before. And oh, I right, think that right. Walsh is – I think Walsh is the married man. Hmm, interesting. That's what I think. That's my that's huh. that's my idea. That's that's my thought on it. Just because I, I remember like when um I remember when um it was revealed that Neil was um Henry's dad. I had always kind of had the theory that maybe the married man was gonna end up being Henry's dad, so that's why it was kind of unexpected for me that that Balefire ended up being Henry's dad. But anyways, um, so yeah, I always, I always thought that that was the plot point, you know, something that they brought up that, you know, was just, it was kind of too obvious to just kind of sit there and go unmentioned without it having some kind of consequence later on down the road. And I was always waiting for that. So I don't, maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part because it's something that I want to see have, you know, come back. But yeah, I definitely think that he could be the married man. So that's just my thought on that. So got to I, I liked that, Barry. I looked up the name Walsh just to see if it has any tie-in with fairy tales. The only thing I can find in, like, 12 pages of Google is that one of the actors who played a flying monkey had the last name of Walsh. That's the only Wizard of Oz tie that I could find at all. So really don't think he's going to end up being a flying monkey. Uh, but I, I definitely think, you know, they've mentioned it's somebody from the past and said, you know, I think your theory could be true. Because I definitely got the idea in that season one that she was sort of saying, you know, been there, done that, I've had an affair with a married man. So, yeah, you know, we definitely know that's something from the past. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's so funny you said that about the, the flying monkey because when you say, like, Walsh the flying monkey, doesn't it bring to mind some kind of, like, vaudeville, 
show from like the 1930s or something like the 20s or yes. whatever like some guy Almost dressed like up like the a movie. flying monkey doing his show yeah you know like it just brings to mind hilarious visions in my head like yeah that's hilarious okay, okay cool and then uh, the last bit of news that we have here before we get into the episode review is um Rose, Rose McGowan she kind of has made a little bit of stir in the Once Upon a Time fandom recently with something she did on Twitter and I think Amy has a little bit more information for that or on that right one. a lot a lot of the fans kind of – I saw a lot of fans that misunderstood and then a lot of fans that were freaking out. Ms. Rose McGowan tweeted a picture of herself, you know, in laying in bed in a pose on stage and she had – or on set holding a baby. And she said, oh, I just gave birth yesterday. No biggie. That was like the quote on Twitter. A bunch of fans like literally thought that in real life she had given birth. So – just to clarify, Rose McGowan did not give birth yesterday. It was on set, and she's holding a baby. Um, so now there's all this kind of speculation if we're getting to go back and see Regina's birth or if it had something to do with the Wicked Witch or not. Baby was not green, just to clarify. So, um, you know, I'm assuming that that's Regina, but that is on Twitter, and she tweeted it out. There was also a tweet <coughs> – sorry – I forgot to mention before we collected the news from uh, Rose, not Rose, sorry, uh, Rose MacGyver, who plays uh, Tinkerbell. And I did just want to let you guys know that she said on Twitter that the person who is going to die is not who anybody thinks it is. Gonna be her. So I'm curious what you think about that, Zach, because it seems like everyone thinks it's either going to be be Hook or Neil, and she said flat out on Twitter, oh, the person, the death is not who anyone thinks it is. Well, let me, t- well, okay, so, okay, here's how I feel. I feel like, oh, God, I don't want it to be anybody, like, because I'm thinking that if I were to kill somebody off, that it might be charming, just because, you know, like, there's a new baby, and, oh, wouldn't that be, like, really sad, and, like, Emma would have to, like, you know, avenge her father or something. I don't even know. But, you know, like, or maybe, like, you know, the second baby that they're going to have is going to be a boy instead, you know, or something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I, want, I mean, I don't want it to be anybody. I want, I just want, really, you know, I want every character to stay on the show, but if they're going to kill somebody, I've already said on the podcast, I would think it should be Hook just because he bores me. Uh, I think that his character and his storyline isn't going anywhere. And if you, you know, disagree with me on that, please send me an email. It's O-U-A-F as in fan podcast at gmail.com because, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, see anybody else's point of view on that. Or if you want to call the show right now, it's 347-677-1653. So, um, yeah, yeah I, his story is just boring to me. So um, yeah. I think it's – and we also that need to unexpected because everybody is saying it's going to be Neil. So I think if it were Hook because he's so popular, I think that would be a shocker. I'm kind of like when they killed, you know, when they killed Grant. So that's my thought on it. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, that Grant came as a huge shock. I have a feeling this one's going to come as a huge shock. Um, I'm seeing in the chat room, Teresa's saying that there's no sound. Um, does, any, does everybody else in the chat room, do you all hear us? Or is Teresa the only one who lost sound for the uh, I'm wondering if she's podcast. talking about the promo for the new episode. Oh, maybe. Okay, because we're 
Oh, Angela, here's this. Okay, maybe she was. Yeah, I think that's what you're talking about. Okay, good. So as far as Rose McGowan and the picture that she took, okay, here's what I want to say about that too really quick. Because the baby wasn't green. And in um, season two in We Are Both, when Regina goes to Uncle Stilskin in the pawn shop and she tells him that she needs Cora's books so that she can, you know, do her thing and get her magic back and all that fancy goodness. Okay, cool. So she said, he says that, she says, he says, my gosh, let me clarify. Rumpelstiltskin says to her, Regina, he says that the book that she has is full of, it's like potent, dark magic, you know, really powerful spells. And she says that she doesn't care if they turn her green. So I'm thinking that, you know, the, you know, that the Wicked Witch turned green because of something that she got out of Cora's book. And, but then if I think about it, why would she go for Cora's book? Maybe it's because it's her mom and she wants revenge on her. I can kind of see where they're going with that, with like the whole, you know, the theory that Wicked, mm. the Wicked Witch is Cora and Rumpel's love child or whatever. So right. um, even though I think it would be so much cooler if the Wicked Witch ended up being his mom, like just because I, I just think that would be neato. Um, so because he, like I said last week, he already had all of the, the dad issues with Peter Pan, right? So what, you know, and Peter Pan wears green, so if his mom was a Wicked Witch and her skin is green, you know, that would kind of make sense. Anyways, I digress. Um, it'll probably, yeah. She'll probably end up being his daughter just because, I don't know. Who, who knows why? Because really. that's but, not the way you so, want it. Just, just because, yeah, well, no, but it, it's. I mean, it's. It does seem likely that that could be the case. You know what I mean? So I, I understand why everyone thinks that. So it'll be interesting to see how that actually turns out. All right, so mm. let's get into the episode discussion because we spent a minute sitting here on the, uh, on the news because there's been so much of it. So, all right. Um, so this episode, the cricket game. My overall view on this, I love it. Um, it relates a lot to. Things that have happened in the past, things that are happening, you know, now in the show, um, you know, the timeline right now. So I think it's a really good episode. Some standout performances for sure. Um, one by Lana Perea. Um, I think this is some of her best work on the show. Actually, is in this episode. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons why I like it. Amy, what's your overall view on this one? This was another one that I had honestly forgotten. How what you know how much was in it and how much I actually did like it. This had some really great lines, some of the best lines of the whole season in it. I think some really good one-liners mm-hmm. and uh, definitely yeah. this was a well a well-rounded episode for me because it had some really emotional parts and it had some really funny things. And I will say that this is an episode. Normally, I do love Emma, even though I'm, I'm an evil regal. I did not like Emma towards the end of this episode at all. I was so mad at Emma. Yeah, um, she, you know, she had good reason for everything that happened with that. So um, I will always defend, you know, the Swan Princess because I just will. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I mean, give the girl a break. So uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I mean, I do, I mean, it, you know, it does suck because she's in the position you know, being that she is, but she also, I mean, her view is justifiable, too, because Regina's the evil queen, and she's done evil things, like, to Emma, like, and, and I mean, Snow even says it in this episode at the beginning in the diner, like, that's even a, even one of the lines that I wrote down that I thought was so cool, or not cool, but at least funny, so, um, you know, she's just done some bad things, so, you know, there's only so much you can do. Okay, let's get into this so we can actually do this. Okay, awesome. So the episode starts out with Hook and Cora. You know, they've arrived in Storybrooke after, you know, the previous episode, which was Queen of Hearts. Um, and I do want to, just, you know, say really quick that in that episode, Emma used magic for the first time, and Cora, who was supposedly the Queen of Hearts, could not rip out Emma's heart. So Emma was really the queen in that moment. So ha-ha, take that, Cora. You suck. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, 
So, um, uh, yeah, Cora, Cora, geez, Cora cloaks the ship. There we go, because I can talk. And she turns the fisherman guy into a fish. Um, <laughs> you know, you know that poor, poor fisherman guy. Um, right. So that happens. And then, so then they leave to go into Storybrooke, right? And Cora tells Hook, you know, that there's obviously magic in Storybrooke, and that's why she can do what she's doing. And so he can't just go kill Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. So then as they're walking away, right, and it goes to that big old wide shot where you can see the ship and everything, what do we have swimming right in the water? A swan. That's right, a swan. Mm. So even right there, it's basically saying, like, Emma is back, like, she's the sheriff, and, you know, you can't even get by, you know, bringing your ship into the harbor without a swan of some kind coming in to be like, what you doing? So, you know, (laughs) I'm just just saying, like, I love that there's a swan right there at the beginning because right there it's setting the tone of, no, Emma is, you know, like, there's a swan watching you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Definitely, yeah. I thought this. I thought of Mr. Limpet too. I don't know. I'm like that Disney movie is even before my time. I frequently date myself on here, but um, if any of you remember, there was that movie Mr. Limpet where Don Knotts was a talking fish. I don't know how it happened, how he became a talking fish, but that's exactly what I thought of when I saw that when she snapped her fingers and turned him into the fish. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's 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 over my head, so I can only, <laughs> I know who Don Knotts is at least, but I'm sorry, that one, I have no point of reference on that, my apologies, <laughs> yeah, you have dated yourself just a little bit, I'm, okay. I know, uh, <laughs> oh geez, okay, so then after that, right, after we see the swan swimming in the water, right, oh my god, okay, speaking of talking fish, why didn't we get a flounder in the aerial episode, okay, just saying, all right, so um, anyway, so then after that, right, we see Emma and Henry walk in on Snow and Charming's, you know, afternoon delight, so to speak. Shall we say? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm kind of, I see, you know, I'm bringing up. mortified. Oh, yeah, oh, my so God, the look on her funny. face. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. The, the, like, when she, when she sees it and then, you know, Henry says whatever, and she kind of just, like, <laughs> blinks and kind of shakes her head, and then she's like, let's go make tacos. Like, yeah, yeah, and Henry's, like, so innocent. He's, like, what you doing? It's the middle of the day. Why are you in bed? And she's, like, oh, I was really tired. And Charming's all, yeah, and I needed to help her rest. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my God. You don't have a curtain or another room or a, even even a room at Granny's. I mean, you've got your daughter say, and your grandson I'm pretty in. sure that she wouldn't charge you even. Like, she would probably just let you guys hang out there for a second. Like, Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was. Yeah, that scene always cracks me up. And then uh, the the line that I love too is Charming's line. You know, impressive that we can still provide her with a few traumatic childhood memories at this stage of the game. Oh my God, it's hilarious! Like, yeah, because that's that's the look on her face is that she's traumatized. I mean, you could she looks like someone who just walked in on her parents, uh, you know, getting busy. She's like absolutely mortified, and you could totally see it in her face. I cracked when I was rewatching this episode when that part happened. Yeah, she, I mean, because it really is. I mean, it's the look of a you know like a parent or a child who has just caught her parents in bed together. Like it's just, yeah, it's just hilarious. I think that, that that's just so funny. So then um, after that scene, it switches over to you know the flashback where we see Regina's badass battle attire. Um, mm. I mean, it's just divine, really. Um, it's it's just fabulous. I mean, she, first of all, okay, first of all, let's get into this. All right, okay, cool. So her headdress, okay, 
her like the her headdress is number one not only from the previous episode the queen of hearts where you see it for the first time but it's also shaped like the queen's crown from the original animated disney version of, of snow white and the seven dwarfs Mm, I don't know if anybody yeah. noticed that before, but that's it, it's exactly shaped like that. It's just not gold. It's black with a, you know some glittery highlights on it, but it's still you know it's that shape. So I love that they were throwing that in there. And then she's got the really cool. It's like scaly kind of you know like metallic you know metal armor like you know going on like the mesh and it's just oh it's just awesome. Mm. Regina, everybody knows she has my very favorite costumes of all. I actually. Uh, sent Eduardo Castro a little note today and asked him if he could please give us uh, a few more of his sketches to look at or post them because I was going through withdrawals. He's just an artist. I mean, there's no other way to put it. His stuff is fantastic. Yeah, just fabulous. It's just fabulous clothing. I love it. It's awesome. Um, So then right after that, okay, so, you know, we see that the castle is burning, and then, you know, she tells the soldiers, you know, to go do their thing or whatever. Okay. So then we see snow running through the woods, and she trips over a rock. Really? (laughs) Like Like the badass, you know, like Huntress Snow White, who can go through the woods and track people down and stuff, just tripped over a rock. Uh, you know, pay, like, oh, God. Like, it always, like, maybe that was part of the plan to, like, trap Regina. Oh, I bet that's what it was. It was just part of the plan to trap Regina. See? That's what I think, See, yeah. What, totally, that was it. Okay, cool. So then, um, you know, because then, you know, Regina does get trapped by Snow and Charming and the Blue Fairy with the magic, you know, and it's totally sweet. <laughs> um, because she's obviously, you know, pissed. And, yeah, it's like finally, like, you know, like they finally caught her, you know what I mean? Like for two seasons now we've been wondering exactly how, you know, like I always wondered in the pilot, like how, why are they just getting married and Regina's just like letting it happen? Like I always thought that was kind of weird. And then we got an explanation for that in this episode by the end of it. So Mm -hmm. that's why I really liked it. Definitely, yeah. I I love that they tied that back and, Peter's even mentioning she trips over the rock and then Jason comes. I was going to mention say yeah. something along those same lines. This reminds me of like every horror movie ever made. The girl trips on the rock. But in this instant, I do think that that was part of the plan so they could stop, you know, and be right there in that particular spot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's just part of the plan. You know, because they're, they're just sneaky that way. They're very, very sneaky, sir. All right. So um, then after that, right, okay, then we go to the welcome home party, and I love that they use the same banner that the kids use for when, you know, Mary Margaret got out of jail in season one, and they just added Aunt Emma to the bottom of it. I thought that was, I mean, that was kind of a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. Too. I don't know if it's Don't make a new one. one. Just <laughs> welcome home, Mary Margaret, Aunt Emma. Exactly, yeah. I just think that it's so funny. Okay. So then I just want to point something out, too. Okay, this is the very first scene where I noticed that there was something, um, you know, something up with, you know, color again in season two. And if uh, I posted a link to my article that I wrote the other – I posted it last week about the article that I wrote about Snow White and what red means for her and so forth. And Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the first scene that I want to talk about that, okay, because if you watch – Snow White, when she comes in, and yeah, okay, she goes by Mary Margaret, but her name is Snow White, so that's what I'm calling her. So Snow White comes into Granny's, and she's wearing red from head to toe. She's got a red dress on. She's even got red shoes on. Mm, And then if you look, because she's standing right next to Ruby, Ruby isn't wearing red at all. Not one bit of it. 
It's not even under nail polish. It's black. Hmm. So, so let's think about this, okay? In that moment when Snow White, who is the queen of her people, she has been, you know, like the curse was broken and then she went to the Enchanted Forest and a bunch of stuff happened and now she's back, right? She's reunited with her husband and her family. All is well in the world because, you know, they think everything is going to be cool. So it's like mm. Snow White has returned to power as queen of the people and so forth, right? That's why she's awesome. wearing red. Yeah, I think so sense? too. Yeah, she definitely is having a head-to-toe red mo- m- moment there. That that was the first thing I thought of when that scene was that how that ties into your color theories. It's very, very obvious. And, um, yeah, I just thought that it was really standout, and I like the fact that they – kind of included that as a point right then at the moment. So I just want to make sure that you point that out too. Um, and there were a lot of really funny lines in this scene. Like, for example, when when Emma comes up and gives Granny's a tray of tacos, and she's like, I can't tell you how happy I am to cook something that I didn't have to kill first. And Granny goes, I know, meatloaf back home? What a bitch. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Beverly Elliott, that was one of the highlight lines of this episode. I love her anyway, and I love Granny. I love Beverly Elliott. She's fabulous. But I cracked up during that line. It was so funny. Yeah, that one was hilarious. And then right after that, um, that was the first funny line. There was another one coming up. Well, at least it tickles me, at least. I think it's funny, but... So then right after that, right, is when they're doing the toast and then Regina arrives and she says, sorry, I'm late, which is the same thing that she says at Snow White and Prince Charming's wedding in the pilot. And then, of mm-hmm. course, this episode ends with Regina on her way to the wedding and kind of, you know, just all harkens back to that same thing. So I like how they did that kind of full circle moment there. And then right after that is when the <laughs> Snow and Charming pull Emma aside and they're talking to her about letting Regina come to the diner and Snow White goes, Emma, she tried to kill us yesterday like <laughs> and it's just moment like she tried to kill us yesterday and today she's serving us lasagna like are you out of your mind kid what are you thinking yeah but she also saved them yesterday and they seem to have forgotten that part poor regina and then a few minutes later she's left like sitting all alone nobody's talking to her not even henry i was like god henry get over there and sit with her and talk to her <laughs> she's all lonely yeah, well, yeah, she did save them, but I don't know. Hmm. Well, that's after she Poor throws Regina the lasagna with so the red pepper flakes that give it some kick, you know. <laughs> that's right. So, and you know what's so funny, too, is I don't know if I'm the only one. I'm sure that I'm not. But ever since then, if I have lasagna, like, I always check to see if there's red pepper flakes in it because, <laughs> you know, I'm just curious. And, like, if anybody ever makes it for me, I want to make sure that there's, like, red pepper flakes in the lasagna. So, there yeah, you go. I, I love that part, too. Um, so then, you know, yeah, Regina does feel isolated, like you were saying, so then she leaves, right? And then she mm-hmm. and Emma have their conversation outside, and she gets all, you know, she goes all Regina on her and starts talking about how she was there for Henry for 10 years and Emma wasn't, and, you know, all the same oh. things that Regina always hits her for. And then she stops and she apologizes and asks Emma if she'll accept her apology. And I thought that was really a huge moment of growth for Regina, because when has she ever done that? Never. So, mm-hmm. you know, I love that moment, too. I liked that, I mean, Emma was the one that invited her, and things were great, and they were talking, and all Regina did was ask if Henry could come over and see her, and Emma's like, well, I don't think that's best, and uh, she was just so 
snooty. That's right. And I love Emma, so please don't send me hate mail because I do love Emma. I'm total ugly duckling, evil regal, all I'll of that. I'll send you some Yeah, don't. <laughs> no, Zach will send me hate mail. Don't you say anything bad about my Emma. But, yeah, I was like, God, what do you mean that's not best? Let Henry have some time with Regina. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and I love that, you know, that there's that, you know, Emma mentions that Archie talks about something that they were talking about in therapy, because then that's why Regina goes to find Archie in the next scene and has one mm-hmm. of the best evil queen lines ever. <laughs> like, one of her best of season two, for sure. When she's in there talking to Archie, well, she has two of them, right? Like one ba- like kind of almost back to back. Because first, when Archie is sitting there talking and he's talking about, you know, doctor patient stuff, she's like, doctor, doctor. Need I remind you mm. that you got your PhD from a curse? Like, yes. <laughs> I always, that like, was I always crack up with that. And so then, yeah, and then, and then Red, right Red after runs that. Yeah, yes. take, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Right after that, she has another really great line where Red runs up, and you know, Red is, by this time, we already know that Red is also the wolf, and we've seen Red Handed and Child of the Moon by this time. So she runs up, and she's like, oh, is anything wrong here? And Regina's like, yeah, why don't you just take yourself for a walk? This is a private conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that was a oh dog my God. comment, if oh, ever. Oh. oh, my God. Yes. That was one of the that, – <laughs> that was just one of – oh, yeah, that's one of her best lines. I, I love that line. I think it's hilarious. I mean, even yeah. though it's such a horrible thing to say to her, I think it's a great line. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's all, it's like filet the bitch, you know, like from season three yes. or, you know, like, so what? So you can win him over with your rainbow kisses and oh. unicorn stickers. Like. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. Really God. Oh. That's fine. Oh God. So yeah. Oh God. That makes me think of when we were in Disney world and Maury was handing out unicorn stickers to everybody. God. Oh, to everybody. Yeah. So Okay, yeah, that was so fun. Okay, so then after that, we see the meeting where they all decide that they're going to kill Regina because Charming says that death is the way to go, and that's pretty, that's that. So, and Snow was obviously against it, but still. So then, um, you know, and and Charming even says too, if we don't stop her, then there's no telling what she'll live to do, and of course that ends up being casting the curse and that whole thing, which it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, it just had far-reaching consequences. So then after that is when you know Cora. Well, Regina, well, Cora is Regina because she poofed herself into Regina. So she, after she poofed herself into Regina, into Regina, she goes and takes Archie, you know, and she freezes Pongo. And, you know, we don't know what happens to Archie. But we think that he's dead. So then, um, so then, it, okay, so then, okay, after this we see <laughs> it's the next day and Emma and Henry are in Granny's Diner eating French fries for breakfast. Mm. Okay. <laughs> breakfast of champions. <laughs> This this okay. This is not one of Emma's better parenting decisions. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean I get it. You know, it's almost like you know two kids basically are hanging out, kind of like, almost you know doing their thing. But I was like Emma, really like you're giving him French fries before he goes to school. Like I mean I'm sure Henry's like awesome, but you know come on, like get him some you know get him some bacon and eggs or something. Like get that boy some protein before he goes into class. Yeah, today. come on now. She almost so, seems you know. like in this episode she's she's trying to be the cool mom a little bit too much, you know, like she wants to be the favorite mom because you see a lot of back and forth between her and Regina and a lot of her 
you know, kind of trying to be a little more playful with Henry in those scenes at the beginning, too. Yeah, and I think that's really, um, that's a really good point, too, that she is trying to be the cool mom. I didn't think of it that way, but I think that you, you do have a point there with that. So nice catch there. Um, so then let me see. After that, so in that scene, right, Emma says this line where she's like, well, I'm not me. I'm, and I'm walking, what'd she say? Yeah, I'm not me. I'm walking you because that's what mothers do, and I'm doing it. Mm. Like, it, it was just, I mean, it was just kind of, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was sweet. So then we've got, um, let me see, Archie is dead. Oh, no. Archie has died. I remember when I was watching this the first time, I was like, did they really just kill Jiminy Cricket? Because if they did, I'm going to be very disappointed. Like, this is not okay with me. Like, I love Jiminy Cricket, and out of all the people that you're going to kill, he is not one of the people that you should have done it to. So I was, yeah, I was not happy about that. I remember thinking that the first time, too. I was like, oh, my God, there's no way they did this. It can't have happened. No way. Yeah, I I was shocked, but then I remember thinking right off that there's no way that he's dead. Of course, then, you know, Emma, she checks his pulse and everything, but I was like, no, something's happening. I kind of had the feeling that he was not dead in this episode. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of did, too. That's why I was like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. They're not going to kill Jiminy Cricket. They're just not going to. Right. I refuse to believe it. So, And then, of course, I was right. So, yeah. And then after that, right, we in the flashback, we see Regina and her father, Henry, in the tower, where Regina is showing all kinds of emotions. And mm. this is a, I thought it was a really standout scene for Lana. You know, this one in particular, too. I don't know about you, but I just, I really thought, like, it was really powerful. Like, I really kind of felt for her, even though she was being so evil <laughs> the whole, like, the whole rest of the episode in the flashback. So what do you think yeah. of the scene in the tower, Amy? I loved it. I I feel like even stripped down of, you know, all of the fantastic costumes and everything, that she was basically in pretty much a potato sack, you know, very limited makeup. And she was still, like, to me, I thought she still came off as very, you know, regal and royal and she's gorgeous. And But she was so human and, you know, so... Yeah, relatable in those moments, especially because she really had had everything stripped from her and she was thinking, you know, she's going to the end of her life and, you know, this vendetta and this wanting to be happy and revenge and all that had just obviously totally consumed her by this point because she didn't even it seemed like she was just, she just didn't even care. She was just going to go to her death and still, you know, that that thought of losing her life didn't even detract for a minute of all these thoughts of how much she hated Snow and how much she had had taken away from her. Well, really good point. I love that you brought that up because, yeah, I did feel like she was more human too in those moments. And I thought that it was really sad because, you know, she was just, you know, wanting to be happy and, you know, revenge for her. She thought it was going to be her happy ending and everything. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, and it ties back to the pilot, too, because, you know, she's sitting there talking to her dad. And, of course, she has to end up killing her dad in order to cast the curse. And, you know, and we find out in, you know, the thing you love most, which we watched, you know, a couple of weeks ago at the very beginning of the whole hiatus, you know, that mm-hmm. 
you know, it's like she says to him, you know, I, I do want to be happy. I can be happy, just not here. And then she kills him. And it's like, oh, my, right. like, oh my God. Like, and if you think about it, too, okay, let's think about this also, all right? So she took her father's heart out of him and then was carrying it around. But it was still, like, it's not like she crushed it because she couldn't because she needed it for the curse. So if you think about it, like, Henry, her dad, didn't actually die until she cast the curse. So, it, I mean, that's almost, I mean, like, if you think about it that way, too, that's even worse. Like, he had to sit there mm. the whole time, like, knowing that that's what happened. Like, hurt. I really feel for Henry in a way that I hadn't thought about before. Honestly, I was watching this episode, and that thought occurred to me. So I thought, you know, it just had such ramifications, everything that, yeah, really I had honestly powerful. never even thought about that because we talked about it in a previous podcast when we rewatched the thing you love most. Because, and I think you and I both thought this, but that had those episodes aired originally before we knew about the heart ripping out thing. And I thought she stabbed him and cut his heart out. Oh yeah, it me really too. Didn't, yeah, it really didn't show it. So I had honestly, until you just now mentioned that, I didn't even think about you know, the actual what happened in the scenes after that. Did she reach in, pull his heart out, and, you know, he was actually alive until she tossed it into the thing? Or, you know, did she go ahead and kill him? Exactly what was happening? That's, that's wow. Hmm. That's a question for Adam and Eddie. Yeah. In fact, some, Adam's yeah, on I Twitter could... right now. Somebody needs to hop on there and grab him real quick and ask him. Ask, yeah, ask him the other question, too, because I asked him another question the other day that I'm really curious about, which is, you know, and it's something that I forgot to mention when we were watching A Land Without Magic, so I'm going to bring it up now. Like, think about this. Mm-hmm. Would, like, because Emma kissed Henry and broke the curse, but, like, if what would have happened if Regina had, had kissed Henry instead? Would the curse mm, have broken? Right. Like, what, was that true love? I'm really curious on that, because, I mean, that's something I really want to know. So um, I really, yeah, somebody asking that too. But anyway, anyway, it's like there's a lot of stuff. that There's so many things. We could write a whole other show just of all the scenes that we don't see, right? Like, let's, right. Let's do that. That could be another spinoff of the whole show. All right. So um, if they end up doing that too, I totally want to write for it. I'm just saying, if anybody is listening, we can you know, make that happen. Okay. So, um, so then after that, we see the scene where Regina gets interrogated by the Charmings. And it's so sad because, you know, she, you know, She's obviously the one who's correct because she didn't kill Archie, right? So she's the one who's right. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I bring that point up because it relates to something that I'm going to talk about again. We'll close in just a second. So then Emma decides to let her go because she, you know, realizes that she just didn't do it. And then in the flashback, we get Regina's execution scene, which is another scene that Lana just knocked out of the park. Especially oh, yes. About, you know, when she says, that she, you know, I want you all to know how I feel which is regret that I didn't cause more pain and more misery and bring more death. And, you know, and then when she says, and above all else, with every ounce of my being, I regret that I was not able to kill Snow White. The way that she says that is just so hateful and angry and hurtful and just and so hurt. many things. She like, looks like she's hurt though. Like she's, I love that scene with her. It's probably my favorite one in this, in this episode. And she's, not at all wanting to ask anybody for forgiveness. It was like I mentioned a minute ago. She's nope. not giving up an inch of this pain and anger and sor- sorrow that she has inside of her. And down to her very last ill, you know, blames Snow for what happened and believes that, you know, everything 
that was taken from her, Daniel and all of that, was taken because of snow, and she is just not even thinking about asking for forgiveness or apologizing. She's like, no, I wish I'd caused all of you more misery, killed more people. I wish I had, I only regret I hadn't been able to kill Snow White. And the look on her face, she's like, oh, she's so, just got such venom in her face that you can tell. Yeah, it's rage that you can tell she's also hurt when she's saying it. Her eyes are almost tearing up. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you bring that up to that she's still in that moment blame Snow because it relates to everything going on back in Starbrook because, I mean, really, I don't care, like, okay, so Snow White told Cora, okay, big deal. Cora is still the one who ripped Daniel's heart out and crushed it in front of Regina. Like, Cora is still the one who did that. Like, she's the one at fault. So it relates to everything going on in Storybrooke because Cora is doing all this stuff so she can get back in Regina's good graces for doing the very thing that Regina hates Snow White for. So it's like, you know, it's just it's just so twisted and layered and it's so complicated, just so complex. And that's really why I love, you know, the whole, God, it's so, I just freaking love it. Okay, anyway. so we This got episode made so, me hate so, Cora more than ever. <laughs> Rewatching oh, yeah, this, I totally. was like, oh, my God, I hate her. Absolutely. Absolutely. She is, a, she is a witch and a half. I mean, that's all I can really say. She's just a horrible person. So then, you know, they're going to do the execution, and, of course, Snow White stops it, and the Blue Fairy comes in at the last minute and stops all the arrows from hitting Regina. And then, you know, Snow says, this is not the way, and she walks away. Okay, so then mm-hmm. it shows Regina as she's being led away, and the look on Regina's face as she is, like, looking at all the people who were, like, there to see her, like, be killed, is just like mm-hmm. this, this taunting kind of, ha-ha, I'm getting free again, suckers like you know i'm you still didn't get me like it's oh she's just so evil in that moment it's just like oh <laughs> you just i love you lana priya so much you do such a great job and then after that we get the scene where snow white we meets with rumple and rumple says but he's had a line that actually kind of he cracks me up too and he's like regina redeemed what a novel thought and how do you plan to accomplish such an impressive feat like he's so like his delivery on that line is just fantastic, like Robert Carlyle's. It's so good. I love yes. that. Like, Rumple is a very interesting, like, very kind of evil, playful version of Rumple in, in this episode, which is kind of different from when we see him, you know, like, when he's being more human when he's with Belle or when he's just, you know, being a jerk when he's with Emma or whatever. Like, he was more, right. like, much more, like, kind of taunting with her than kind of just like an evil little ant, really. So I just, I love that scene. Here's my question. Not only in this episode, but in several episodes, we see where people are going to Rumple in need of something. They want a deal. They want to fix for something. You know, Snow goes and gets the forgetful potion in the one episode. Uh, everybody goes to Rumple because they want something. And yet, in the beginning of season one, He's so horrible and awful that they have to plot to catch him and stick him in a cage. So I'm confused as to where and what point they decide that Rumple is no longer, we don't really need to keep going to him for favors. We just need to lock him up. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would like the answer because that's, that, that's true. Um, he had to have done something just totally awful, you know, like there has to be something coming up which just, you know, beyond their, you know, they're just like, okay, we've had enough of this guy. Like this fool needs to go. Like he's just, he, we need to, you know, bring him <laughs> in boys. Like, you know, sick him, Nano. Like somebody oh. do something. 
So, um, right, because so by the price of gold with Cinderella, they're ready to capture him and put him away for good. Yeah, they're using fairy magic to do it. So it's like, okay, well, what did Homeboy do to, you know, get in trouble mm-hmm. so much? Like, like, did he go tag one of the castle walls or something? Like, come on, give me some evidence here. Like, I need to know. <laughs> okay, so then um, so then we get to scene where, you know, the Charmings are in Archie's office and they're looking for evidence. They see that Regina's file is empty. So they immediately assume that Regina is guilty, even though Emma doesn't. And then um, they decided they're going to go to Rumpel at the pawn shop to get some answers. So they go in there, and, of course, we get another throwback to the Beauty and the Beast um, storyline for them And because Belle's wearing a yellow dress, and it's just a cute little, you know, kind of nod mm-hmm. to, to that whole thing. And then there's another one, too, that happens in, uh, in The Miller's Daughter, which we're not going to end up watching. So, you know, like when she's wearing the yellow hospital gown, right? Like, so I love yeah. whenever they put um, – whenever they put Belle in yellow because it just calls back to the fact that she's Belle and that's like her color and stuff. So I wish they would do the same thing with Mary Margaret and Snow White though. Like they've only done it once where she had on like kind of a yellow skirt and like the red bow and that was it. Like can, can mm-hmm. she at some point, like can't we see Mary Margaret <laughs> at some point bound? walking around Storybrook <laughs> and a cute little like yellow skirt with like a red bell and a cute little sensible blue collar, you know, cardigan or something like with a little white yeah. collar around it. Like I know there she are ways to do Disney it because I did bound as so, white. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So that's what she needs to do. Like I'm dying to see it. Just like I want to see Regina. Like at some point, I want to see Regina in a flashback wearing the like the designer collection version of the Evil Queen dress. Like, some yes. to see Regina in that dress by the end of the show. Like, please, that is one of my wishes for the show. Can we please make that happen? Thank you very much. Okay. So then, um, so then this is the scene where we, you know, Emma does magic with, you know, the dream catcher and everything else, right? Do you notice how when Rumpel says that the dream catcher is capable of catching more than dreams that Emma kind of freaks out? when she yeah. realizes that it can catch memories. Like she, there's that one little scene where Emma's having like a freak out moment, like, oh, great. And it relates back to Tallahassee because there was the dream catcher in that episode. So, yep. you know, and we just watched that one. So, yeah, it relates back to that. And then it relates later on to Manhattan, which is what we're watching next week. So it's kind of like a one, two, three punch of the dream catcher being involved. And, yeah, so, and having, you know, mm-hmm. significance for Emma, too. So, anyways. Now, here's the thing on this, though, right? When Emma is using the, the Dreamcatcher to kind of, you know, like that's the security camera, if you will, like she doesn't watch it all the way to the end. They don't watch I it to know, the end. I yeah. know, The actual truth, right? And when I was she thinking watches about it, it right, and drops it. Exactly. And I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, if Emma were to pay a price for, you know, her using magic, I think this is it. Because Emma being wrong and assuming that it was Regina – is what sets events in motion all the way through to, like, the Queen is Dead, where Regina, like, teams up with Cora and they kill, you know, Johanna, and then everything happens in, the, you know, in the Miller's daughter. Like, I mean, her, this one decision sets Regina back on, you know, the path to being evil again, so to speak, and to work with Cora. Like, if, she, if they hadn't done this, that probably wouldn't have happened. So right. that was the price that I feel like that was the price that Emma ended up paying. I don't know if that makes sense to you know what I'm saying, but that's, no, that's I, I, I totally understand because I feel like there were a few small steps between her and Emma during this episode, and I've already mentioned a few times that you know things were I was not happy with Emma in this episode, but that I've always thought because. Yeah, I she didn't Cora didn't turn back into Cora until she got out of the door, but obviously she had to do whatever else she did still in his office, you know, swap him out 
with a different person. So if Emma had kept looking through the dream catchers, she would have seen the body get swapped out and that, you know, it wasn't actually Archie and that something was going on, but she didn't. And she originally she thought that Regina was telling the truth and she didn't trust herself and she didn't have faith in herself and in her so-called superpower. And that kind of led to where we ended up with this episode and in the episodes that come up after it. Yeah. So I just was really, um, I, I was mad at Emma for that too. I was like, really? Like, you need to watch all the way, like, you're the bail bonds person. You're the sheriff looking for evidence all the time. Like, why didn't you watch all the way through to the end? Like, you know, when I watch a YouTube video, I always want to watch it all the way to the end. Like, surely <laughs> Emma would know to do the same thing. I mean, come on. Right. She, I'm sure YouTube exists for them. So, I mean, it had to have happened. So, anyway. Okay. So, then after yeah. that in the flashback, we see where, you know, Snow meets Regina in, in her cell. And this was another mm. scene that Lana, I mean, the, the whole episode was just like a standout for Lana. It really was. Um, and I even, I, this is actually the episode I tried that. Anyways, um, I'll talk about that in just a second. So Snow, you know, they meet Regina, she meets Regina in her cell, and I love the line where Regina's like, well, that woman lost much, and now she's gone. Like, because she's just so, you know, even in that moment, she's still, like, you know, throwing it in Snow White's face that, you know, look what you've done to me, you stupid, naive princess. And it's like, right. uh, like, come on, just let it go. And then, you know, they have their conversation, and, you know, Snow releases Regina, and then, of course, what does she do? She attacks Snow White, finds the dagger in her sleeve, and stabs her and then finds out that it was all a test because you know mm. Charlie comes in and says that Rumpelstiltskin and you know made it so that she, they can she can never harm them in that realm again and then Snow White banishes her and then she says the thing that I loved like where she was finally like you know I saved your, you saved my life once and I saved yours now we're even if you ever try to kill anyone in my or yeah if you ever try to hurt anyone in my kingdom again I will kill you and then she walks mm. away. So it's finally like, you know, Regina put, or Snow White putting her foot down and being like, yeah, don't, don't mess with us anymore. You're done. Like, you're just done. Right. Your day is over. Move on with life. Mm. And poor Regina. What do you think about that scene? <laughs> I think that scene, I think I did like that Snow was very strong in that scene. I said before, I much prefer strong, bandit, tough Snow to uh, some of the Mary Margaret behavior that we've seen. but And Regina's banished, but you can see the look on her face. Like, she almost really believes that she's lost everything. Like, she has lost. She's more upset after she finds out that she's banished and she can't hurt them than when she thought she was about to die. It's like that's the only thing she has had was this, anger for so long and now you know and this want for revenge and now it's been taken away from her that's the moment where she really seems devastated and you know I hadn't even thought about it I don't know if you read it yet I wrote an article for our fan site this week and it's kind of about how stories and things a lot of people grow up and you know it's not saying anything for me or anybody else but maybe I didn't have the most perfect childhood and maybe a lot of other people didn't or even adolescent years. And a lot of people find hope and escape in books and stories. And when you've been affected by something 
so deeply, it is hard to let go of. And I think I thought about that a lot because of this piece I wrote this week. And then rewatching this episode, I thought about that in this scene with Regina, how this has been all she's had to hold on to for so long because she's had, you know, these traumatic past experiences. And now even what she thinks is her chance to get beyond it is seemingly all of a sudden taken away from her. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, the scene is really sad. It makes me really feel for Regina for all the reasons that you said, because she's just so hurt by everything that's happened. Like, she's just in so much pain and looking for some kind of relief. Like, I just feel so bad for her, really. Um mm-hmm. Really good point, Amy. I like, I like it. I like it, girl. All right. So then <laughs> after that, um, I want to make sure that we have enough time for everything because I've still got a bunch of notes on these episodes. So, yeah. Um, after that, we get the confrontation at Regina's. And this is where um, the clothes kind of come into play. All right. So I posted a picture on the Facebook page, and I put it on Twitter, too, for our pages. Um, it's a comparison shot. Because if you look at this scene, okay, when Emma shows up, Emma is wearing a gray jacket and Regina is wearing a red jacket. Now, if you compare that to the pilot, the very first episode of the show, when Emma first showed up at Regina's house, Emma had on a red jacket, and Regina was wearing the gray jacket. And then here in the cricket game, it switched. And I've said before Mm -hmm. that red means power. And in this situation, Regina is the one technically in power, even though she's being attacked and ends up, you know, kind of on the run, so to speak, at the end of the episode. She's still mm-hmm. the one who's in power because she's the one who's right. She's telling the truth. She didn't do anything. She's actually the right. one who's making the point and making you be like, no, like, I'm, I'm trying. I'm a good person. I didn't do this. And Emma is the one who's wrong. Like, they're all wrong. So Regina right. ends up being the one, you know, she's the one in power. And then, of course, there's that great line where she says, you know, I will not let you poison Henry against me. And then Emma says, it's an interesting word choice since you already did. And then right after that is, like, I think probably my favorite scene in the whole episode because it's just so great. It's when Regina's she's saying, you know, he deserves to hear my side of the story. He is, he is my son. And then Emma turns out and she's like, he's not. He's mine. And after this, you're not getting anywhere near him. And then the blue fairy, you know, she throws the little orb of fairy dust at Regina. She catches it, tosses it at Snow and Charming, and then she looks at, at Emma and, okay, Lana's delivery when she says you, her voice is so like gravelly deep. She's pissed. uh, She is pissed. Like she's like, and honestly, I think that in everything else that we've seen with Regina, I think that's the Mm -hmm. angriest that uh, that she's ever been because any other time, like when she was angry at grandmother, she had this big, loud, emotional freak out. Right. But in this one, she was just like this quiet, calm, like it was like waiting for a snake to attack. Right. Like, oh, right. like, oh, what's she going to do? Because she's, she's so quiet, and it's like, you know, it's not just Well, have you grandeur. ever been, like, so beyond furious, hurt, upset, all of that in one moment, and that you cannot even barely yeah. get words out of your mouth? That's what I thought of, because she knows that she hasn't done anything, and now she's actually been trying and she's, you know, she's all this time, she's been against trying and she's been the evil queen. Well, now she really is making an effort. 
and look what it got her. And now, you know, Emma's threatening to take away her son. She's going to lose everything. And I really, I mean, you can see it in Lana. She's just hurt and full of rage and furious that she just cannot, I mean, that's the only word she can get out of her mouth at that moment is you. And she's so, oh, I thought that was, that is definitely such an intense scene and it was so good. Yeah, and then later, and then when she said, "You will not take my son for me," and she shoves Emma with magic down her down her yeah. front lock, Okay, so <laughs> it was this episode actually, and it was this very confrontation that we're speaking of now that I was attempting to ask Lana Perea about at Comic Con last year when I couldn't, and the words literally fell out of my brain because I realized what <laughs> we're talking to. So, um, and I talked about that in ChanaCon too. So. Yeah, it was this episode, and that, this was why I wanted to ask her about it, too, right? This was my question. I had planned to be so, you know, suave about it and just be like, yeah, it was so emotional, and Regina had all these emotions, you know, all the emotions going on, and it was so layered. I mean, I was going to ask for something a little bit better than what I'm saying right now. But, you know, I was going to be so awesome with it, and what happens? I forget my freaking sentence halfway through. I couldn't believe Like, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this was something I was so looking forward to asking her about, and then I just totally lost my head. It's okay, though, because, you know, I had a moment with Lana Priya, and it was totally awesome. But still, like, I wanted to ask her about it. Okay, so um, so then after that, let me see. So the whole clothes thing. Okay, yeah, I, do. I talked about that. Let me see what else. I have more notes. I have more notes. Uh, maybe no, I don't. Okay. Um, oh, man, okay, yeah, so then after that, right, is when Emma's like, you know, we know who you are. Like, she's saying all this stuff to Regina. And, you know, Regina's mm. like, maybe some of her newfound magic can help you now. And then Emma's like, I don't need it. I already won. Hen- you know, Henry's not going to believe you after all this. And then, you know, she's like, you can say what you want, but we know who you are and who you'll always be. And you know in yeah. that moment that, Regina, you know, when it shows Regina and she is so hurt, like you can you can see it at that point that she's just like, well, what the hell? I didn't do anything. Um, yeah. Like she, and you know that when when Emma is saying, "We know who you are and who you will always be," she's saying she's saying you will always be the evil queen. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, and which later comes on down the road, you know, later on in the season, in the episode called "The Evil Queen," when you know she has her conf- when Regina has her confrontation with Snow and everything else in the forest, and they have that whole episode. So it kind of all comes mm. back together on that. So, but yeah, in that, and then Regina poofs herself out, right? Okay. That whole thing, that whole scene is just fantastic. It's so good. Um, mm. I, it seriously is like the, I think my favorite scene, well, actually, there's another scene that's right after this that I think might be the best scene in the whole episode. But this scene is so powerful. I love it just because of the confrontation between Emma and Regina. And I know we <laughs> talked about it last week. I put a little PSA out at the end of the podcast about Swan Queen and how we are going to start talking about it. Okay, so let's get into some Swan Queen discussion for a change. So I know that some people, you know, think that Swan Queen is like a valid relationship. And there are a lot of people who think that it's actually like a, a valid relationship. And I love that people can see that in you know, in watching their interactions, I personally mm-hmm. don't. I, I don't know where it comes from. I, for me, I don't see it. I don't see any kind of romantic subtext at all. But I love the fact that people are so open-minded that they would actually see a relationship between two grown women as a possibility, especially when they're, like, the main characters of the show. So I do like that right. part of it. So, and, you know, I know that this is a scene that really for a lot of people, you know, who are swan queeners, you know, it kind of validates their point. So I just want to make sure that we mm-hmm. touch on that for just a second. And, you know, anyways, 
So um, then after that, um, we get – so okay, so then we get – the oh, this scene is so good. First of all, we get this parenting scene for the Charming. It's between Snow and Charming and Emma where they're trying to give her parental advice when they're still trying to figure out how to be parents, and they have that very discussion that they all don't know how to do it, but that, you know, they're going to figure it out and everything else. And then we get to the scene where Emma tells Henry that Regina killed Archie. And we don't actually hear it from their end. We see it happening from Regina's point of view when she's in the car crying her eyes out. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, Devastating. So devastating. So devastating. Between her performance, number one, and Mark Isham's score, number two, and just, oh, my God, it was just so, and, the, you know, the implications for the story and the character and everything, oh, my God, it's so sad. It is, it's just so sad. It's devastating. It is. That was, I mean, poor Regina is watching, you know, the one thing she has, the one thing she has really ever loved since Daniel and her father just being ripped away from her and it's all because of Cora so again I cannot say enough how much I hated Cora in this episode but mm-hmm. um, just to touch on what you mentioned before uh, Peter in the chat room said whether it's romantic or not Emma and Regina have one of the most interesting relationships on the show I think that's true oh, I don't you know they do they have kind of a you know a co-parenting thing going on and they are both very strong mothers to this child and I think that that is true and as far as like Swan Queen and really not even just Swan Queen any of the ships I think that if there is a show or a book or a play anything in art that inspires people to come up with their own couples and their own stories and fan fiction and art and all these other things that that says a lot for that original work. The fact that once yeah. it inspired people and these characters to ship all these things. I don't think there's anything at all wrong with Swan Queen. You know, I've heard the whole gay argument, this and that, whatever. You know, I could, I, that's not even an issue. I would love to see a gay couple on Once Upon a Time, you know, other than we've sort of seen the hints with Mulan and Aurora, but you know, I'd love to see that. It's, it happens in real life, so why not put oh, it on TV? Yeah, it's not absolutely. Like... Sleeping warrior, right. I'm all about it. Yeah. <laughs> but the only what the only reason I don't, you know, it's not a personal ship of mine. I don't have anything against it. I just feel like as the story has been written and the way it's progressed, I don't see where on the show it would make sense to me. And, again, this is just my opinion – in my opinion, it doesn't make sense to me that Emma and Regina, who is kind of her step-grandmother, would end <laughs> up getting into a relationship. And But if right. other people, you know, that's their ship, then that's their ship, and that's great. The only thing I will say, and right. not just to Swan Queeners, is to everyone, I hate when people get on Twitter or Facebook and they just gripe, 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 gripe at the writers. You know, this is what we want to happen, or we're going to quit watching the show. And I've seen it, again, not not just Swan Queen. I've seen it from tons of, of people about this character or that character or this ship. You know, just love the show and have fun. I mean, this fandom is huge. There is plenty of room for everybody Ship who you want to ship, and if somebody else doesn't like your ship, then whatever. Let them ship their thing, you know. I'm sure some of my ships are 
off the wall. But I hate seeing where, you know, Adam and Eddie are getting constant barrages of, you know, oh, you, you hate us or you hate this person. You hate, they don't hate anybody. They created this. They're, this is their story and they're trying to tell it. So, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail now too, but, you know, let them tell their story. Oh, yeah, I'm with you on that because um, it really doesn't – it doesn't matter who you ship because really uh, the more ships that we have, then we just have like a stronger fleet in the Once Upon a Time, you know, universe, right? So Right, and the fan thing. art Yay, that from, comes out of the ship stuff yeah, is man. amazing. I will say that. The fan art is gorgeous. I, love, I mean, for all the ships. I have seen beautiful pieces of fan art for every single ship you can think of. Yeah, I I really like, you know, what that people are so open to the idea of so many different relationship possibilities, especially, bet- you know, between characters that are considered, you know, kind of classic characters and where it would kind of, you know, really be breaking the mold for any of them to be, you know, in like kind of, you know, in like a straight, you know, character, gay character, whatever. Like it's really kind of breaking the mold for that to be happening at all. So it's really nice to see. Um, yes. It's just nice to know that the, that the Once Upon a Family the, you know, the extended Once Upon a Family that's out there is so, you know, open and welcoming of, you know, all kinds of people. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love you, Oncers. God, I miss Enchantacon so much. God, that was so much fun. Okay, so. Yeah. Um, just do it again. Let me see. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Let's do it again. Well, this time let's have it, like, at Disneyland because, you know, why not? Okay, so um, then, we, you know, we got the, uh, the scene where the flashback, right? Okay, so after Regina is crying in the car, it switches to a flashback of her looking at herself in the mirror in the castle, and she's wearing a dress. Mm. She's wearing this fabulous yeah. blue dress, as a matter of fact. And so while we're talking about clothes, and I've been talking about, you know, color and clothes and what it means and stuff like that, Regina's wearing a blue dress because she's got the blues, because she can't hurt Snow White and Charming anymore, and she's, like, sad. So she's got the blues. Yeah. So she's wearing a blue dress. Get it? Are you with me? Is this making sense? Yeah. On? Okay, so, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> Clothes are, you know, the color of clothes and everything is very important. And it's telling you stuff like, the, you know, when they use color, it's telling you things about the characters in the story. You know, it's telling you things without actually telling you verbally. Like, your, your brain is still getting the information whether you know it or not. You're learning something about mm-hmm. the person at that moment. So that's right. why and I really find it so fascinating. And she feels like she has no power. She has the blues. She's sad. She feels like exactly. she's lost. She has power. She can't do she anything. Because you notice that by when, because we get, you know, we'll talk about what happens here. You know, Rumple comes in, but that's not what she wears to the wedding. What she wears to sure the wedding is. is that black outfit with red and black feathers, and she, you know, in the back of it. And so, yeah, she doesn't keep right. that blue outfit on. And I will say, too, that this was one of the dresses I had forgotten about, and everybody knows how much I love Regina's clothes. I was rewatching this episode again, and I was thinking, oh, my God, this dress has made it back into, like, my top five of her outfits. I freaking love that dress. Adore it. But anyway, yeah, and, okay, let's do a rumble. Oh, and you <laughs> want to know something so interesting, too? I'm glad that you brought up the wedding and everything, that that's what she wears. <laughs> Because I don't know if I talked about this um, when we were watching the pilot, because I don't think I had really gotten into the whole color discussion at that point really in depth. But isn't it so interesting that when, you know, Snow White is sitting there getting married in a dress that, ha- that has white feathers on it, which are like swan-looking feathers, okay, that Regina, you know, who's her cloak, right, her cloak is basically like her coat, right? I mean, that's like the fairy tale mm-hmm. equivalent of a coat, right? So she's wearing a black coat that has red feathers on it, red feathers. So we've got red feathers versus the white feathers, first of all, in that scene. 
And then we see mm-hmm. Emma Swan, you know, and, like, the white feathers on Snow's dress are, like, swan feathers, okay? And then, you know, Regina, it's, like, a coat, and then Emma wears a red coat. Like, mm-hmm. are you seeing all the parallels Yeah, here? Like, is this yeah. Is this making sense? Okay, cool. So, like, <laughs> isn't it so interesting that even then, like, in the pilot, there are things, like, you know, just in the clothes that are sitting there that could be a hint at something, because I swear to God, this show needs to end. And now, you know, since there's going to be a character who's going to die and so many people think it's going to be Neil, if it did end up being Neil, then it would, you know, kind of suck because it would ruin my end of the show theory. But I want the show to <laughs> end with fire. Emma getting married. Yes, I want Emma to marry Neil in the end of the show wearing Snow White's dress because she's Emma Swan and the feathers are white and so it's like a swan. So she needs to wear them. And it's just cute for her to wear her mom's dress at her wedding anyway. That's just adorable. So, you know, totes adorbs. Let's do it. Okay. So, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just such a dork about these things. All right, I just you like a good wedding, I have to admit. Yeah, I just like a good wedding. I love a good shindig like that. All right, so, mm-hmm. you know, a nice good hoopla. Because, I mean, really, because then we could have, like, some kind of extras on the DVD where it's, like, the home video version of, you know, like, you know, like, Emma brought a video camera with her to the Enchanted Forest when she ends up going there, right? And, like, she brought, like, some kind of power generator with her in an outlet. She's got, a, you know, she's got, like, a power so she plugs in the camera. <laughs> exactly. You know, so she plugs in the camera, and she goes around at her wedding, and she's doing, like, behind-the-scenes video with a little video camera, and then that can be an extra on the DVD for the final season. See? Mm-hmm. See, I'm already thinking ahead, everybody. All right, cool. <laughs> so then after that, um, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the other Rumpel interesting thing I want to say, too, is when Rumpel shows up, right, he tells Regina that it's her wedding day, or that it's the Charming's mm-hmm. wedding day. And then he says, you know, like, I'm your friend, right? Who, how many other people do you have as a friend? Okay, this is, this is significant because it comes up later. So then, you know, he tells her it's the wedding day and that, he, you know, his deal is explicit and he can't harm this Charming's while they're in this realm. But if she were to take them to another realm, well, then that would be something else. Okay. Mm. So then this harkens back to something that happened that's in The Thing You Love Most. Because Regina had already had the curse and she traded it to Maleficent for the sleeping curse that she used mm. on Snow White. So how did she get the dark curse in the first place? That's the scene that I want to see. Because right. it totally relates to Maleficent also and The Thing You Love Most. Because in The Thing You Love Most, Regina says to Maleficent, you're my only friend. And she says that on the mm-hmm. same day, on the wedding, she's, it's the wedding day or whatever, right? Or maybe the day after because she had to travel. So she says it right after Rumpel comes and says, you know, I told you I was your friend. And acts like he's her friend. She goes and sees the person and then claims to be their friend. Like, it's so twisted. So twisted. I, I don't know. A part of me thinks that Regina originally got the curse from Rumpel and then had second thoughts about doing something so drastic, so traded it to Maleficent, which I would love to see anything more between Regina and Maleficent. Maybe traded it for the sleeping curse, thinking, okay, this is enough. You know, I can just get rid of her. Because in previous episodes, too, you know, and future episodes after this one, she talked about – you know, when Snow White's gone, the people will love me. She wanted, you know, people to love her. And so I think she, that I, that is what, in my mind, I think how it's going to play out, that she thought, well, this dark curse is just too much. But if I can just, you know, trade it to Maleficent, just get her out of the way, then, you know, I can have my happiness. The people will love me. She'll all have my revenge. And, oops, she woke up, so, you know, Snow White got woken up, and it didn't work out that way. So she needed it back. Yeah. 
Exactly. And then it all leads back to the pilot and everything because then, you know, it's the end and she goes to the wedding and, you know, she's got her hair in her, you know, fabulous ponytail and everything like that. Okay. Mm. So then after that, you know, Cora reveals that she has Archie on the Jolly Roger now that we're back in modern times again. We don't know where Regina has gone at this point. We don't find that out until the next episode. And then, you know, I love the line where Hook is like, so then who did you kill? And Cora's like, well, how should I know? It's my first day in town. Yeah, I just got here. Yeah, because I remember thinking to myself, well, it may be, you know, insignificant to you, but it's, I mean, I want to know who you ended up killing. And then, of course, to find out, you know, I mean, you know, you already killed Gus, the mouse. I mean, they already done him off at that point. So it's like, really? Well, who's dead this time? Like, Yeah. And isn't anybody going to miss this other person that's dead? <laughs> yeah. Like, can we find out who it was? I'm, like, we never there, find I'm out telling you, there needs, to be a whole, there needs to be a whole other show, like the Untold oh. Stories of Storybrooke, where it's like... Like a web series. You know, oh, I wish they would do, like, a web series, just kind of to wrap up the little tiny questions that never really come back up again. Wouldn't that be awesome? Dude, I'm so down I would for that. Totally and, watch. You know, I would watch. I am going to school for film. I am going to school for film production. Hey, so if anybody go. needs any help with that, hey, I'm available. So, <laughs> um, I'm. I mean, because yeah, that would, I just feel like that would be because it's almost like when we get the spinoff of Wonderland, where you know Cinderella's running around in, you know, the pilot of Wonderland, and of course since we mm-hmm. all think that the Red Queen Anastasia is Cinderella's stepsister Anastasia, that that's why she's in the show because it's going to end mm-hmm. up being that you know that. Anastasia's mother is the evil stepmom and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, anyways, yeah. Like, which, you know, one, oh, God, now that we're moving away from Wonderland. Okay, too. So, yeah, Wonderland comes back pretty soon. And yes. I'm pretty excited for that, too, because I want to see, you know, not only the culmination of this whole thing with Jafar and what's been going on with him, but I also am ready to see Barbara Hershey back as Cora on the Queen uh, of Hearts, on Cora, Wonderland. Yeah. yeah, on yeah, you know. Back and we know Wonderland there's crossover and... coming between the two shows. And also, um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I've been talking to some of the writers and the producer uh, Richard Haddam on Twitter. He is one of the producers, and he's also a writer. Him and Jen Cow are actually um, or Co. I'm not sure how to pronounce their last name. They are both going to live tweet the first episode back for Wonderland. So probably um, some other people will tweet on too, because I know Sophie Lowe, who plays Alice, almost always live tweets when the episodes are on. But some of the writers are going to be tweeting, so it should be really good. Jane Espenson has been on live tweeting with us before for Wonderland too. So I definitely cannot wait to uh, – to get back into Wonderland, I'm so I'm such an Alice freak. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see where the rest okay. of the story goes. Okay. Can I just say too one quick thing? Speaking of Jane Espenson, number one, she's a lovely woman. Um, number two, she is a genius because I've been mm-hmm. watching Battlestar Galactica and I'm at the end of the fourth season. Like I'm basically at the end of the series, and I'm not going to write you know say any spoilers or anything. But she has written some awesome freaking episodes of that show. Not only in one yeah. time, but the woman is killing it on Battlestar Galactica. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, I am so into Battlestar Galactica now. I think we might have to, like, you know, if you, have you ever watched it? I've watched, well, I've watched some of it. I haven't finished the whole series. I've watched some of that. I have watched a lot of Buffy, which she wrote for. Obviously, she writes for Wonderland. She writes for Once. Um, I've seen a ton of her stuff. She's even written for Game of Thrones. So Jane is yeah. amazing. Jane actually wrote 
um, we just finished this huge poll on Once Upon a Fan, and the fan favorite is Skin Deep, which was not a shock. Um, Jane wrote that episode. So, and, well, it's not yeah, a shock, but I was kind of shocked <laughs> at, the, at the percentage of the voting. It won like 45% of the vote of the poll. So I was right. kind of surprised mm-hmm. by that, that it was – because, I mean, it's obviously a really good episode, and it's a standout one for me, and we watched it, um, you know, for one of the for one of the episode rewatches. But still, like, there have been so many other episodes that I feel like had so many things going on for so many more characters, like all of the characters, that mm-hmm. they were in my mind better. Like, you know, like Going Home, for example, the winter finale of season 3A, or, um, you know, like uh, – uh, you know, Manhattan or, you know, second star of the right and straight out some morning, like that whole, you know, one, two parter. Like, I just, I don't know. I was really kind of surprised that that episode is still so popular in so many people's brains. But I mean, at the same time, not because it's so good and it's Jane and she just, you know, she writes so fabulous things. She did write for Game of Thrones too. She wrote, um, she wrote a golden crown, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And some, she got to write the scene where this little guy, for lack of a better word, um, finally gets his come up in, so she wrote that. She wrote a really good episode of Deep Space Mind too. Um and she's also mm. involved with Husbands the Series, which was a web series yes. first on YouTube. So good. Um, mm. just like little two minute episodes and then it went to the CWC, which is an online thing. Um and I asked her and Brad Bell about that at San Diego Comic Con last year too, because it's a series about, you know, like it's um it's a gay couple, two guys who, you know, like they go out for a date and they ended up, you know, like getting married at the end of it. And then they don't remember doing it because of how much they drank. So then they have to, like, <laughs> you know, they decide to stay together and stay married and stuff and kind of navigate this whole marriage. And it's pretty hilarious. Brad Bell is pretty funny in it. And so is the actor who plays his husband. Um, it's pretty funny. And then also, so I just want to say about Battlestar Galactica, Jane Espenson was a co-executive producer on that show. So it's no wonder that that whole series is such a standout because she was helping produce the whole thing. She wasn't just a writer on it. So, um, yeah. Amy, Amy, you have Jane got to watch it. And if there's any other ones out there, and here's what I want, here's here's why though, okay? There's, that show about Star Galactica is really about faith and hope and family and you know love and a bunch of other themes that are very, very you know common to Once Upon a Time. They yeah. just yeah yeah very much so. It's just that it does it in a little more. Um, I don't want to say adult way because I don't I, I don't want to make it seem like there's Once Upon a Time isn't for adults, but. <laughs> Well, it's, it is in space, but it's not like, you know, like in Star Trek where there's a bunch of techno babble and there's something wrong with the warp drive and, you know, whatever. Like, it's very easy to to listen to. Like, it's it's really about the relationships, and it's not really that complicated. I'm telling you, you've got to watch the show. Like, they've even got a blonde running around in red all the time. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, there's so many parallel themes <laughs> to Once Upon a Time. Oh, and, and, too, Keegan Connor Tracy is in the show. She plays a character in the fourth season um, who is kind of particular. She's very important to a particular storyline. So Keegan, yeah, Keegan is in Battlestar Galactica. So I really, you know, if anybody wants, you know, if any wants out there are looking for, you know, a new show to watch, I definitely recommend Battlestar Galactica. Oh, and, but, and too, right? Okay. The new one, so not is, the older um, one. So is, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the new one, not the one from the 70s. I'm talking oh. about the one from 2004. Um, it's on Netflix if you want to go look it up. Just Battlestar Galactica. But um, also, yeah. too, um, the actress who plays Ruth, Charming's mom, she is on the show, too. She played a character who was kind of, like, really important, too. Like, she only in, like, one episode, maybe. No, it was just one episode. But her character was really vital to one of the storylines. So, you know, there's been a couple of people who were on once who were in the show, too. 
And if anybody Did is a Star Trek fan. Did that show fan, filmed um, in Vancouver? I believe it was, yes. I think so. I wouldn't doubt. So, I swear to there is like this collective. Every time I see a show, and Keegan, who plays our Blue Fairy, I swear to God, every time I watch a show, at some point she pops up in it. And I love Keegan, so it's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's even her tagline on her Twitter is, yes, you did see me in that show. But all of these things filmed in Vancouver, I swear, these are once cast, aside from the fact that we have a lot of lost alumni been to each other, because – Oh, even some of the writers, too. They're, the actors and writers have done Supernatural, which films there, and, you know, Fringe, and a bunch of other things. Now Battlestar Galactica, and just other things that all filmed in Vancouver, and not only have some of our writers and producers all worked together before on these other projects, but the actors, even if they weren't in the same episodes, you'll see them pop up throughout the thing. Supernatural is the one that sticks in my head because my son is addicted to that show and he he loves it. He's seen every single episode of Supernatural. So, yeah, that's another one where I've seen tons of people. Yeah. Um, there's also um, the, the actress who plays Major Kira in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. She's in the same episode as, um, as Keegan is in one of them. So if anybody is a Star Trek fan... Um, and you watch these Space Nine, then, you know, you'd see Nana Visitor. That's the actress's name. She's in the show, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's got a lot of – I mean, it's really good. It's, I mean, it's, oh, it's so good. I can't even tell you. Like, and it really picks up in the fourth season. Like, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, when I first started watching Game of Thrones, and I admit I haven't made it past the first season yet. Shame on me. But when I actually decided to sit down and watch it, it was a Saturday morning, and I, it was like 9 in the morning. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch the first episode and see what everything is about. And then it was over, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, I want to see what happens, so I'll watch the next one. You know, and I did that for what I thought was a couple of times. Well, by the time I was done, I had watched the entire first season, and it was 11 o'clock at night the same day. So I got, I got sucked into <laughs> So you, know, you binge watched. Yes, exactly. So it's the same thing with Battlestar Galactica. It's going to take you – it's like you're just going to get sucked in. It's okay. Let it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch the first episode, it's like a movie. It's like an hour and a half long TV movie that, like, serves as the, as the pilot. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I can't even tell you. Like, and there's so many things that happen that you, like, it's not like once upon a time where, you know, like, there's kind of a resolution within one season and then the next season has, like, another kind of problem. Thing is, like, it's constant. Like, there's some of that happens, but then there's other stuff that goes from the whole series. It's so good. Yeah. I'm still, like, yeah, falling um, over. I cannot believe you've only seen the first season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm shocked <laughs> to hear this. I'm sorry. You cut out on my phone. Say that again. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I'm still kind of shocked that you've only seen the first season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> all this time, I thought you had seen all three seasons, too, and that you were – impatiently waiting with the rest of us for season four. No. No, I've seen the first episode of season two, um, The Night mm-hmm. of Dark and Full of Terrors. I watched it about four times because I was, mm. you know, I wanted to make sure that I understood what was going on and I watched it and then I would get sidetracked from the second episode and then time would go by so then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch it again. So I'd start the first episode over. The woman in red is very interesting. She's kind of creepy. And, the, you know, The mm-hmm. Night is Dark and mm-hmm. Full of Terrors and that's about all I can tell you. Like, you know, um, I watched Joffrey, who is a, just a stupid little, he's, I mean, it's, he's a bastard. 
That little Joffrey on Yeah, Game I hope he dies I soon. I can't that little kid. He reminds oh me of God. Peter like, Pan. I know you shouldn't hate on a child. Like, I know that you shouldn't hate, you know, like, you should never want, you know, like, you should never wish death on a person. But he needs a serious spanking or something. Like, somebody needs to just, like, take him and just shake him until his brain falls out on the floor and then, like, make him wash it off, like, and I don't even know. He just needs to get over himself because he's just a little bastard. I can't stand him. Joffrey is just, uh, I can't stand him. So maybe that, he, he just reviles me. Like, he's just so just, uh, ugh. Horrible. Like, yes, he's just horrible. <laughs> like, he, like, him, like, seriously, him and Cora could get together for tea. Like, they could have a kiki and sit there and, you know, like, just dish on yeah, people and, and hate on like, They're so horrible. <laughs> yeah, and Pan, too. Like, they could just get together. Yes. And I'll hang around, you know, with Chernabog from Fantasia and, you know, just totally have a, you know, just have a gay old time of it. Just seriously. Uh, mm. oh my so we're towards the end of the episode now. So just want to let everybody know what we're watching for next week, which is Manhattan. Um, one of my favorite episodes of the show. And it has a lot of interesting repercussions for the storyline as well. Um, mm. Lots of big things happened in Manhattan. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Um, and then whatever news is going on in the week two, we'll have that for you also. Um, and we do want to hear from you guys more. We don't get a lot of callers into the podcast yet. We think people are a little bit too shy, but we do want to hear from you. We want to maybe um, start having a theory call-in section where people call in and talk about their theories on what's going to happen. So we do want to get your feedback on that. You can email mm-hmm. O-U-A-F as in fan podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. We'll just go through those notes and go through your feedback and see what you want to know. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, we've got Or even you can tweet us on Twitter or on Facebook. On Twitter, we're O-U-A-F, which is Once Upon a Fan, so O-U-A-F podcast on Twitter. I love to see fan art. So if you guys have anything you want to share, I am always excited to see anybody's fan art, any project. If it's something you drew for yourself, something you make, something you sell, any of it, send us pictures. Because I love to see that stuff. Yeah, we really like it. So make sure you hit us on Twitter with that so that everybody can see it. Um, Oz is coming. God, you know what would be so interesting, too, for that episode of uh, A Curious Thing is if they cross over Wonderland and Once Upon a Time and Oz. Like, if it was on one big triple crossover, it would be awesome. Okay, so we are pretty much out of time for this episode. Um, we will see everybody next week. And uh, make sure that you watch Manhattan so that we can all get into the discussion. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.